Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Friday. It is the 29th of December. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. After 20 years as the top elected official in Des Moines, Mayor Frank County is preparing to retire from public office. IPR's Grant Gerlach reports County became a voice for climate action at the local level. County often represented Des Moines at climate conferences around the world calling for support for cities to act on climate change. The Des Moines City Council recently adopted a new climate plan that includes the goal to reach net zero status by 2050. When County spoke to IPR's River to River about his time as the city's longest-serving mayor, he said he approached climate change and other city issues from a nonpartisan perspective. Whether it's talking about climate change, whether it's addressing pandemics, whether it's taking care of issues of infrastructure, potholes, I mean, I don't know how many times I've said it, but, you know, there's no Republican or Democratic pothole. County's successor is City Council Member Connie Boson. Boson will be sworn in in January as the first woman to be elected mayor of Des Moines. Some Republican lawmakers in Iowa want others to ban carbon capture pipelines in the state due to land rights. That includes Representative Ken Carlson of Ottawa. A retired farmer, and I am one who benefited from ethanol plants. There's no two ways about it. But I I can't handle the eminent domain thing. I just can't handle that. Carlson says about a third of Republicans in the Iowa House disapprove of using eminent domain to build pipelines. The Iowa Utilities Board held public hearings on a project by Summit Carbon Solutions to transport liquefied carbon dioxide through 29 counties. Regulators turned down permit requests in North and South Dakota. Officials in North Dakota agreed to reconsider the application and held a hearing before Christmas. Iowa's blood banks are encouraging people to come in during the winter months when donations typically slow down. That story from IPR's Natalie Krebs. A steady stream of donations is necessary to ensure blood and platelets are available for medical emergencies and procedures like cancer treatments. Carrie Dubay is with the University of Iowa DeGowan Blood Center. She says donations typically drop off in the winter months due to weather, holiday commitment, and respiratory virus season. Flus, colds, COVID, whatever it may be, after holiday gatherings, you definitely see an uptick of of people um, having illnesses. And so um, when someone is ill, they're not able to donate. Dubay says those who have had COVID should wait 10 days after their symptoms end to donate blood, and they should wait five days if they've had a cold or the flu. Planners hope the Central Iowa Waterworks will be ready to launch on January 1st of 2025, managing drinking water supply for nearly 19% of Iowa residents. The West Des Moines Waterworks agreed to join the regional drinking water system earlier this month. Ted Corrigan heads the Des Moines Waterworks. He says the new system would manage treatment and transmission of drinking water for 600,000 people. The last couple of years we've been working pretty diligently on an agreement that would allow um, the 13 communities that purchase water wholesale from Des Moines Waterworks to partner together and and collectively uh, oversee that operation. Member utilities would purchase water at the same wholesale rate and share facilities used to produce drinking water. 
Speaking of water, much of Iowa is in severe or extreme drought. The updated U.S. drought monitor shows 97% of the state is in drought or near drought conditions. The area of extreme drought in eastern Iowa goes from the border with Minnesota to the Missouri border. It includes the northeast Iowa cities of Cresco, Waterloo, and Cedar Rapids, and the areas around Mount Pleasant and Ottumwa in southeast Iowa. The areas of exceptional drought also sweeps through central Iowa and over to Audubon and Cass counties in the western part of the state. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. A community meal can bring people together, but as small towns shrink and institutions like churches contract, a meal can become vital to the life of a town. IPR's Zachary Orrin-Smith reports one church in northeast Iowa is changing the role it plays and the value it provides to the greater community. St. James Episcopal has been in independence since 1863, and when you look around, there's evidence of that history. In the back of the basement, there's a dusty storage room with a miniature communion set in the corner. On a rack hang white vestment ropes just long enough for an eight-year-old. It's a Sunday school room, and there are no children for it. We don't have any children to take the benefit of all this. That's Sue Ann Raymond. She's the deacon of the small church. And we had it upstairs for quite a while, but um, children didn't come, so (laughs) we brought it down here. Raymond has been with the church since 2007 and has watched it continue to shrink. On a good Sunday, she says they might have 15 people show up. The Episcopal Church, like most mainline Protestant Christian traditions, has lost a lot of its people. Over the last 30 years, Episcopal membership is down 36 percent. But even in decline, churches like St. James remain a physical presence on the block. Church leaders like Raymond are wrestling with what their roles in these towns are. My goal was to find our niche. What could we do so that if things would happen where our doors would be closed, would people miss us? And so on Friday mornings, things change. Hot dogs are warmed in a secondhand roller machine. Buns are toasted in the oven. Out on the table go a bowl of onions, bottles of ketchup and mustard, and a crock pot of Hormel chili. And around lunchtime, Hot Dog Friday begins with regulars walking in, the same people showing up to the same tables with newcomers finding a chair in between. Normally, a small congregation wouldn't be as involved in in things. And uh, we depend on all these wonderful people that care. One of the regulars, Ronnie Gilson, says it's nice to have a meal he doesn't have to cook. Like I say, just enjoy coming to see one another and visit with whoever shows up. Of course, I like to talk. But. Anaging shrink is not unique to communities like Independence. But Iowa State University's Rural Shrink Smart Clinic argues that this is not the only story to tell in these communities. The National Science Foundation-funded project aims to offer resources to communities dealing with declining populations. Kimberly Zaircor is a professor of architecture with the program. Seeing a lot of people in the church, like having a sense that the church, again, is full. Um, it's such a great example 
of the kind of social capital building that we are trying to um, encourage in our project. Rather than focusing on how to attract young families to live in independence, ShrinkSmart searches for ways to maintain quality of life, the things that make independence worth living in. And so it's not really about how many people belong to the church. It's about its sense that it's part of this broader community. And on Fridays, they feed people. And managing shrink is something churches like those in the Iowa Episcopal Diocese are looking at. It got $1.2 million from the Lilly Endowment to work with eight small churches on future planning. Meg Wagner is the assistant to the Bishop of Iowa. Part of her job is developing congregations and church leadership. She says many churches like St. James have space in small towns and don't always know what to do with it. Instead of focusing on numerical growth, it means what does it mean to grow more deeply connected? Wagner says this is a paradigm shift for congregations and leaders who've thought of growth as the single most important metric for the church's success. Part of the process is letting go of the notion that success means attracting new families with kids to the congregation. Sue Ann Raymond says this has been difficult but important work for her own ministry at St. James. It's people that are thirsting for fellowship and are enjoying good food. It's probably the best meal most of us eat all week. Looking around the room on Hot Dog Friday, the line is long, plates are full, the church for a meal doesn't feel so small. I'm Zachary Orrin-Smith, IPR News. And that's here first from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Have a great, happy, and safe holiday weekend.